there. You're listening to Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh. Today we have the fabulous Carrie Lachlan on. She is a interior designer. You might have seen her on HGTV's Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, and the Travel Channel's hit show, Hotel Impossible. She's also an old friend of mine from the dance industry, and she's going to tell us her story about how she pivoted from being a commercial dancer to a TV interior designer. Let's get started. Yes. Um, You know what I mean? Like the three shot of the three of us in our little boxes or whatever, but I think we have to prep people for doing something like that. Oh, you have to prep me. You don't. Okay. This is what (laughs) I look like right now because it's, it's like eight (laughs) o'clock in LA. So, and I, I go to sleep late. I don't, I'm not an early riser. So I got, I got like this. I look homeless. I got sweats on that don't match, (laughs) you know, the messy bun. (laughs) Yes. It's, where are you now, Carrie, then? Okay, so I'm still in LA. So, okay. by the way, this is this is Kelly McVeigh. She's my, um, we grew up together, and we decided to create a production company, and then we decided to create a podcast. I love it. Hi, Kelly. Nice to meet you. I'm so excited to meet you. This is one of my favorite, people are my favorite thing, and so I love doing this because I love people, hearing people. Yeah, so she, she's in the, she's actually in the sales and beauty business. Oh, awesome. Um, we danced together when we were when we were growing up, so that was the first connection. And um Carrie, we haven't spoken. And by the way, when I see your name Carrie, it it's weird because Kelly, you just said, Oh, it's Carrie and Carrie. This is gonna be confusing. When I see your name, it doesn't feel like mine. So I didn't think that. You know it me neither. <laughs> Cause it's it, that is that is the thing, right? There's like curry, carry, carry. Yeah. Yes, which Sky will call me Carrie because he's like West Coast, where my mom will call me Carrie because she's Jersey. So it's like an ah in there. <laughs> so what do you, how do you pronounce your own name? I think Carrie. Carrie. But I will say that I've been, this is, are we recording right now? I mean, I, I just start recording, but I added everything. No. So it's no big deal. Okay. No. I was like, I will say that I have started to say Carrie a little bit more because when I say Carrie, people write Karen and then they'll say Karen. And I'm like, oh no, it's Carrie. Okay. So we pronounce our names the same, basically. Yeah, basically. Uh, okay. So, yeah. so we haven't spoken. I don't even know how long it's been because you had a child. I had a child. You have, yes. you completely changed your career and, you know, I follow you and Sky on, on, so Kelly, Sky, I was friends with Sky first and I was friends with Sky back in 2000. Yeah. 2000. That was a long mm-hmm. time ago. And you, yes. you and him met what year? Like a couple years? 2004, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. So I knew Sky like for four years before Carrie came along and they met and it, they hit it off, and they got married, and they have this amazing son. His name is Augie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How old is he now? He is six going on, like, 72. Oh, he's an, <laughs> is he an old soul? He's a very old soul. Well, Sky's his dad, so, you know. Yeah. They have, they have old souls. And, and you, so you have, you have the son, and then, um, so Sky, back, back in the day when I first knew him, he was... He was this, like, it was, he's this half Asian, half white, 
hip hop dancer, choreographer. And his back in 2000, 2001, he was dancing for Justin Timberlake when the album Sexy Back came out. Justified. Justified. Serious, because he did his very first performance on TRL. And then he just did like his latest, like he did the Super Bowl with them. So he's, they've grown up together. Yeah. Yeah. And so Sky was like dancer famous because of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just like an incredible, incredible dancer. You know what I'll do? I mean, I know this is about you, Carrie, but also I'll post the video <laughs> of him dancing with Justin. Um, but yeah, we were friends. And OK, so so when I when I've been seeing you on Instagram, I would see like posts about your interior design because. But I kept on seeing these like interior design posts and I'm like, when did when did that transition happen? And because the last time I talked to you, you were probably dancing for Mariah Carey. Yes, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And so these listeners, can you tell our listeners like I and and me first and foremost, because I'm just curious. Can you tell me what that transition was like? Because I am transitioning myself and it's not Mm. easy. It is not you know, it's it's one thing I feel like within the dance community, within and I, I can only speak really within the dance community, but I feel like from any artistic community that you start at a young age and you're, you know, maybe competitive and it's your passion, it's something you do every single day. Um, we should be taught at a very young age what it looks like to transition, how to transition, and some skills to transition. And that you have to do it. And it, you have to and do it. And it's not like you can, you know, you can't dance till you're 80 years old and get paid for it. So, but no one you cannot and unless you no one tells us that no one tells you and unless you're teaching like unless you're like I want to be a teacher but even teaching depending on what genre you're in in dance like if if it's if it's a more popular trendy dance form you're going to get pushed out of that very quickly as opposed to say like a you know a ballet madam who can or master who can teach into like their 90s so I transitioned, I was doing Mariah, I was on the Emancipation of Mimi tour. And I was I think 18 or 20 months into this tour. And we had just done Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve. And I remember standing on the stage and looking out at all this and like, this should be the biggest moment. This is the biggest moment of my career right here in this moment. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. And I got home, I was by myself, I felt very isolated. I felt a little bit like we do within the, you know, the industry as you start to get older, where you're like, "Ah, I feel like there's more to me than just, you know, getting up on this stage and doing these steps as much as this is enthralling. I feel like there's more to me. So I went home. Sky had just started the second Justin tour. So he just started promo for the sexy back Justin tour. And I was home and we were about to go on the world tour for Mariah Carey. We were just about to start rehearsals. And I called up my agent and said, I don't think I'm going to go. And it was partially because. Oh, my I, God. Yeah. They were not happy. <laughs> okay, dancers don't, dancers don't do that. No. By the way. They were, FYI for yeah. everybody out there. <laughs> they were not happy with me. They were like, I said, I've been doing this tour now for 20 months. It's this. And they're like, no, but it's going to be an arena. And I was like, ah, but it's all the same thing. Like, there's got to be something out there. And then also, I also looked at it as my relationship with Sky was budding. I also knew that he was he was going to be like the person I wanted to spend my life with and I knew that two dancers on a wor- on world tours like that that it was that was a very that would be a huge transition and a difficult phase for us 
So I kind of just looked into my future and said, well, I really love this guy. I want to start a family with him down the road. And I don't think I want to be on the road dancing anymore. So what can I do? (laughs) So I called my agent, told her I wasn't going, and then was still auditioning because I auditioned for Ricky Martin. And they called me up and they said they want to put you on the Ricky Martin tour. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that either. They were livid with me. Like they could not fathom that I was turning down tours. And this is what, as a dancer, you work for. Like this is the pinnacle. People don't do that. And how far in were you? Like how many years into this, your career? Uh, I was in my early thirties. I think I had been a professional dancer since I was 17. So like almost verging, like, you know, I was well into the second decade of being a professional dancer. Kelly, jump in. Cause you're like gagging over there. I can hear you gagging. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I have like, I have like 10 million things to say, but this is not about, this is about Carrie. So I, one thing, you know, I feel like I always have like a little bit of an outside perspective because I did not get to be a professional dancer, but funny enough, I wanted to, I wanted to first say something. First of all, you're amazing. I'm jealous. I can't even believe it. Like when (laughs) when Jerry brings these people on, I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe that I'm even getting to talk to you. So congratulations on having that amazing of a professional career, but also knowing from a personal standpoint, where to pivot. And one thing I wanted to say from a perspective standpoint, and I honestly think it doesn't happen as much in the corporate world. But I just listened to a podcast this morning about an Olympic runner. And she was saying, like, you have all these goals your whole entire life, and then you peak. And you've your whole life has been based around goals. And once you peak, then it's like, what now? Mm-hmm. And I even think I'm, I'm dating one of the Detroit Red Wings um, hockey coaches. And I never was 40 before, but I have I have gotten to this place where like, I love the story. I love knowing the player that, you know, was drafted when he was 17 and moved away from his whole entire family. But then too, I've watched some players like who retire and are transitioning. And they're all, all of these spaces, like for artists, dancers, professional sports, I'm sure there's other, um, you know, areas in life that the same thing, but you people aren't trained for what's next. And I feel like I've seen that with hockey players too, just from knowing Jeff for the last few years, like what's next. And they find this place of being like a little lost and their whole life has been based around one thing. Absolutely. I mean, and you have to look at the lifestyle too of a professional dancer, of a professional athlete. You're, you're, You're living in a world where you walk on stage and you're hearing thousands of people applaud and there's lights and people do your makeup and your hair and they dress you in cool outfits. And you know, when you're in your late 20s, mid 20s, and you're going to clubs and you're VIP and you're traveling the world with Mariah Carey and you're going to the movies with Justin Timberlake. Like you're hanging out you know this bubble of magicness and then you have to choose to pivot out of that you have to choose to transition and there's so much of a mourning process of like youth and and this excitement so I mean I see it so much because so many of my friends are professional you know dancers it's difficult. And I remember my agent, when I was younger, she said to me that uh, it's more difficult for men, she seems, which I find interesting as well. But that's a whole other topic. Right. I think too, like, and this is not about any particular person, but I feel like you train your body for dancers, athletes for years, and you do certain things and you eat a certain way. 
And then I feel like I've seen just, you know, from being in the like hockey thing a little bit, like, okay, well now I don't have to train and now I can have drinks every single night. And now I can, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's also this path of like trying to figure out who you are, trying to figure out your, what your identity is. Your lifestyle is just like completely different. Um, so it's a huge thing, I think. And I don't think people even think about it or focus on it. But no. congratulations to you for pivoting in such an amazing, successful way. I mean, I was really shooting into the wind. <laughs> I had like, I thank you first, but I had this grand idea. I, I started my my main pivot was as a professional organizer because I sat at home and I was I look, I was I was in the entertainment business. So I was bartending waitressing I was managing a pizzeria at the time like I was living half in this really magical world and then half in this I want to pay my bills because I don't want to put the pressure of paying my bills on dance I didn't want to put all that pressure on something that I love so much so I always had this like you know this other second job and then I realized well if I'm not dancing then that is my main job now. And I also want to, I don't want to stay into the restaurant business. I don't want to own a restaurant. So I need to also pivot out of that. And I sat down and said, what am I, what else am I good at? I was like, when I was young, I would always organize people's closets and, you know, rearrange their rooms. And I, at the time went on to Craigslist, found a woman who was a professional organizer and was giving up her clients. And I called her. And then like the next week I went out, I was at Carrie Ann Moss's house, like organizing her closet. And I, I got all of her roster when she left LA and that's kind of how I started into the home business was kind of on a whim of going, what else was I good at as a child besides dancing? Like, I think that, you know, we talk about this, I'm sure a lot on here, but people their you know, their dreams and their goals are what they want to go after. They're their biggest obstacle always. Mm -hmm. And you were just like, okay, this is what I love. This is what I'm good at. And freaking look how it turned out. Yeah, I mean, I wish I, you know, I think when you're, you're younger, you have a lot more balls in life, too, because I, I can't say that um at my age now that I would be so vulnerable and willing just to be like, yeah, let's try this, you know, so uh, it was a lot of youth and, you know, being a little bit naive, and then also trusting that the, p the pivot that I was making the transition that I was making, I knew I had to do it, like I knew I knew I, I was, I'm not, you know, I didn't go to college. I, I don't have a degree. And I was looking at all these other things that I liked and I was passionate about. And I was like, well, you'd have to go to school. Are you going to do that? No. So you need to figure out a trade and you need to be a tradesman basically. And so, okay. So you, you started, you started with these clients here in LA mm -hmm. and then, and that led to, to the next step. What was your next step? So the next step, funny enough, was the same agent who was like, you're insane. You, you cannot, you cannot turn down these, um, you cannot turn down these tours at this, at the same time, simultaneously, Sky and I purchased a home in the Valley and it was a, it was during the recession and the home was in a horrific state. And we basically took it and brought it back to life. And word of mouth started to kind of get out that I was, I was really good at project management and my organization skills. So friends that were being assistants for, you know, celebrities like Maite Garcia and these agents that were buying new houses or living in these gorgeous homes started kind of hearing through the grapevine that I was good at organizing and I could move people. And if there was something in your home that needed to get done, a project, I could help facilitate that. And that 
my agent, who I said I'm not going on Mariah Carey, actually ended up being one of my very first clients. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I just, I, I just kept going. I just blindly was like, I can do this. Just keep learning. So my personal organization moved into organization of people's homes, helping them move. And then it moved into project management. And as I was doing project management, I started rearranging people's homes and kind of shifting things. And those same clients became my first design clients. They said, we have this new room, we want to redo it. We have this sunroom, you know, this little side office, and it just kept snowballing. You know, being in the arts that your creativity and your skills and organization transitioned into spaces. I mean, absolutely. And and we as all, we're all dancers, so we can agree. We're visual. Everything that we do, you know, it's our body. It's internal. People always think, oh, you're so physical. You're so this. But we get to where we get to because we are staring at ourselves in a mirror. We're staring at a picture. We're staring at a performance. We're looking at our body lines. We're looking at our costumes, our hair. We're looking at the different syncopation in the music. So that is 100% of visual art. And I always say like in the corporate world with sales and whatever, if I do it and I do it myself, I will understand the whole process. I'll understand the system. I'll understand what you want me to do, but I have to actually do it or watch you do it and then do it myself. Like you can't just send me like the paper of the 10 steps or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you're so right. It's from a dance background that I am so visual in seeing it and doing it. And I don't know why I didn't ever realize (laughs) scenarios like I know I need to watch you do it and then I'll do it myself. Um, But it's true. It does come from dance. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a lot that comes from dance. Like the the situations that I've been in in my life professionally, especially professionally, I attribute back to dance. Like I attribute a lot of my success and my know-how of how to interact with people, when to be, you know, push forward in your solo act and when to back up and be part of that team. You know, you, you understand things as, as a choreographed dance a lot more than people who haven't had that experience and background. Oh my God. Oh my God. I love it. Okay. So, okay. So I'm so curious. So you started doing this. When did you make the move? to the east coast we made the move to the east coast right before augie was born so we were uh, eight months pregnant and we had gone back and forth about leaving los angeles for a long time the the housing market was kind of going up and up not not where it is right now but um it was it had definitely shot up and sky and i at the time I was wor- I went on to a- we went on a cruise ship for eight weeks. I was putting up a show on a cruise ship, and we were we were cruising the Mediterranean, and oh. we were doing this incredible, incredible kind of like baby moon slash. I was also putting up a show, and because we had removed ourselves from Los Angeles, our brains were a lot more clear to make such a large decision. So we, when we got home from that eight weeks, we said, "Okay, look, we'll put the house up if the house if we can sell the house." find a new house and move to the East Coast, basically within 30 to 45 days. Oh, wow. We'll do it because I was eight months pregnant. I was like, if not, we have to stay here. Like, or I was seven months pregnant. We have to stay in Los Angeles. We'll have the baby here and then we'll do the step. Well, our house sold in like 30 seconds. And that was it. We just, we packed up. We didn't tell many people we were leaving Los Angeles because we knew we'd be back and it was way too emotional. And um, 
like we saw half our friends at a dinner that night and we were like, oh, by the way, we're moving to New Jersey tomorrow. And they were like, they, they just stood there like, what are you talking about? And we, um, we moved out. So that was when, right before Augie was born. So about six and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah. I definitely have that memory of like seeing Instagram and Facebook. And I was like, when did they look? <laughs> when did they go to New Jersey and right. why? Why, why? Why don't they have leaves on the trees? I don't understand this. <laughs> yeah. And so was there like when the travel channel and all that, when did that come in to the picture? So funny enough, as I was living in Los Angeles, I was, you know, I had stopped dancing. I was doing random jobs here and there dancing. Like if, you know, somebody called and said, you want right. to do this job? I was like, small, of course. Small ones. You don't have right. to change your life. Right, exactly. And I didn't want to audition anymore. So they were like, you can have this. I was like, sweet, let's go. <laughs> but I was still doing um, commercial work. And at the time, I was also doing stand up comedy and improv. Like that was my jam. Like I was like, I want to do, I want to be a sitcom star. So I was mixing kind of all of this stand up comedy and, and commercial work. And then on the side, I had my business going. And I had a couple clients that were trying to mix the two for me. Like Maite was a huge person. She started connecting me with producers and she's like, we need to get you a show. Um, like you, uh, explain to the listeners who Maite is. I mean, I know, I, th I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So Maite Garcia is Prince's first wife. So she is also an actress and um, did a lot of commercial work and is a teacher and everything. But she was one of my, and still is, because I still help her out like online, but she's what was one of my dearest clients and longest clients that I had. And I went through, I think, three different houses with her. So I, I was, um, we were in each other's lives quite a bit. So And you she, had met her because of dancing. I had met her because one of her assistant at the time was one of my best friends and she uh, was moving okay. and she, they, she kind of connected us together. So that's, that's how that story came about. If people could see my face, I think we should just record it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that you're saying, I feel like is super bra brave. Like I know there's a million people that like love comedy, want to do stand up. But I feel like you're like, okay, I'm just going to like drop Mariah Carey's tour and I think I'll do stand up and I think I'm going to start organizing people's homes and I think yeah. I'm going to pick up and move to New Jersey. Like those are all big, huge things. And I feel like I was like trying to s decide if I should have like an egg bite for breakfast. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like, wow, that you just like go for things. You know, when I was very, when I, not when I was very young, when I was a teenager, my mom would always say to me, I would come home with a, with an opportunity or an experience that I would want to have or do or whatever. And my mom was very supportive in saying, just say yes. Like she was like, if you're feeling it, say yes, know that you might fail, know that you might fall, know that you might not be as good as you think you're going to be at it, but just always say yes, Carrie Lynn. That's what she would say to me. And I, I kept that in my head. And as a, as a young girl, that's always how I went from one step to the next. Like I was a cocktail waitress. Okay. I don't want to do this. I want to be as, as simple as that. Like I want to be a bartender. Okay. Let me learn the drinks. I want to do that. So I always just, it's probably my organizational brain and why my business is literally called Gidge Living, which stands for Get It Done Girl. But when I see something, I start to dissect it. And then I figure out what's the ladder or the stepping stones that I need to take in order to get to the end result. And a lot of times I don't know exactly what the next step is going to be. But I constantly kind of reassure myself that if I just take the step and say yes, 
something will come out of it. It might not be what I wanted, but something will come out of it. So someone who just took a new job yesterday where I've been at. Congratulations. The same company (laughs) that I loved. Like I love the people. I love the brand. Um, But I just felt like from a growth standpoint, like it was time to jump. Like Mm -hmm. I I wasn't happy. Like work is such a big part of who I am. So I feel like when you do, well, when Kelly McVeigh does something like that, like you overthink constantly, like, what if I fail? What if this isn't the right brand? What if I don't love working with these people as much as the people that I work with before? And what if I don't get the growth development? So I feel like saying everything you just said, yes, maybe it won't be what I think it's going to be. But if not, it still was the right jump move. And I'm going to learn and develop from the fact that I'm doing something new. I mean, absolutely. There's There's been so many times like when I started stand up, I was like, this is insane. But my brain kept writing funny things. And I was like, I want to say this. I don't know why, but I want to stand up and say this. And my I started doing really well in stand up, like almost immediately. And I was put on like, I was given like an hour long show after I had only done like six or seven shows. And then a year later, I was like, I'm kind of done with this. Like I, I did it. I lived in it. And I was like, do I want to take it to the next step? Do I want to be a comedian? Do I want to be going from hotel to hotel across the country? And is this, do I want to keep kind of figuring out what I find funny throughout life? Or do I just want to keep that as, as my little thing in my head that I think is funny? And I just stopped. So, it, but through standup, it taught me so many things for my next step, which was being a designer on television and interacting with families and understanding how to read an audience in a completely different way. And also to perform as myself with my own voice versus being a dancer when you perform just as a body. So do you feel like, and Carrie, the, my co-partner Carrie, I feel like I'm asking a lot, so I'm sorry. But do you, do you feel like your bravery and confidence, because listen, there are people that try their whole lives to be on you know, this, a small stage. And we're talking Mariah Carey World Tour, Ricky Martin. And then you do stand up and you're actually like getting gigs and getting the hour long special. And then you transition again, like people try their whole lives to succeed in one of those areas. Like, what do you think has given you the ability to be so successful to peak in some of these things, but then pivot? Well, and also let me jump in. Also, what I'm thinking to myself is there's so many women out there who it's like you chose you're choosing, you're in the driver's seat and we're all in the driver's seat for our careers, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. And it really, from what you're, from how you're telling your story, it's like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm choosing where it's going. And I'm, you know, I, yeah, that's, please, please, please continue. Super, super successful and pivoting away from it. I mean, I think you, you kind of hit it right on the head in the fact that if there's like one thing I've always had is a little bit of moxie to be like, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> so I, I, you know, and that, that comes from, I'm sure a lot of pain and trauma and some scars and walls that I've built up. And, you know, I'm I, thinking back, like, I'm sure I also pivoted not only because I wanted to pivot to the next thing, but I'm sure there was some sort of pain or hurt that came at me. And I, 
always would ask myself, is it worth it? You know, as much as the, the dance world is this gorgeous, amazing thing full of this amazing community, there's a lot of pressure to be cool and trendy and this and that and body image. And at some point I had to ask myself, is this still, is this still the, 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 the battle, the fight to, to keep succeeding in this area? Is that what I want? That's kind of what I did with stand-up. I was like, this is cool, but there is this this everlining thing was like you can bomb one night and do you want to go home with that feeling where you just feel like a part of my language a piece of shit when you were just so vulnerable on stage like do I want to keep battling this battle and I would ask myself that do I is the pain that I will sometimes feel balanced out with the high that I will also feel and then will it feed me (laughs) am I gonna eat like am I gonna be able to put a roof over my head so I think it's a, you know, it's, it's a lot of crying and struggle at times too. Like there's a lot of inner, it's not like I just wake up. I'm like, I'm going to pivot. It might sound that way, but there's, there's also a lot of struggle and a lot of uh, ruminating and kind of playing the same story over and over in my head or, or playing my, my failure over and over in my head and then brushing myself off and going, okay, well, Carrie, if you don't like this, then move on. And don't worry about what other people say or what they're going to think or even what you're going to tell yourself in three days because you will start beating yourself up at some point. Just keep pushing forward. Yeah, me and Kelly talk a lot about, you know, when, when we first reconnected, um, you know, 10 years ago, she was looking at me, you know, I was in the like full throat of my dance career mm-hmm. and seeing all the positives. And at that time, she had just had four, finished having four kids and I was like freezing my eggs. Right. And I was like, yeah, I was like, Mm -hmm. the downside is, you know, it's pretty heavy, you know, of what I've chosen. And, um, I, I, I did it for longer than, than you. So, you know, I was already, you know, I did my last dance job, you know, I was three months pregnant. Amazing. Oh my God, Carrie, I was doing a job where I was in heels on a bar. (laughs) In a in a in a thong, by the way. Oh my gosh! And I and and it was I I loved the show. I I wouldn't have done it if I didn't love it. It was so fun. I didn't have to travel. It was with one of my favorite choreographers. You'll have to go back, Carrie, and listen to one of our previous podcasts because she was like, "I have a rehearsal this afternoon. Do you want to go?" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'd love to." She didn't tell me what the show was, and so I was like sitting in this bar by myself on this. (laughs) pouch and they start dancing and they're like all taking all of their clothes off (laughs) and I'm like oh my gosh what is going on right now I think and the choreographer was like what did you think and I'm like "Eh, I mean I think they could work on their transitions a little (laughs) what is happening right now but listen Carrie was hot as anything and Um, incredible I'm sure what what a what a mental place to be in though too it's like such a like you're saying, it's such a cool experience. But then at the other hand, the other time, like there's so much, there's a, there's a handoff within that career. Oh, there's a huge handoff. And, you know, I didn't tell anybody, well, the choreographer knew, but you know, I'm like 41 turning 42 on that job. The youngest person's 21, which was actually (laughs) older than you could be. Like you could be 17 on that job. Yes. And, you know, I, I backed out of the, out of, out of the dates because I lost my equilibrium on my heels Mm. because I was pregnant. It wasn't for any other reason. I was like, I'm going to fall with the lights and, you know, these heels and I'm not on a really big stage. I'm like on these narrow stages. So 
yeah, like your story, I, you know, I feel the same way. It's, it's, uh, there's, it's a half and half because the downside of not having a 401k, not having the, (laughs) you know, the income that can really build what you need to buy a house, especially in LA, you know, it's, it's hard. So, okay. So now I'm so, I'm so curious and I'm patiently waiting. Please tell me how, like what's next hotel impossible happened and then extreme makeover. Like, please tell us how you got into the TV realm of, of the um, industry. So yeah, it's, it's so funny because I, I, I left LA, right. Sky and I left LA and we were like, we're not, we're, we're out of this. We were, we went out of the entertainment business. We're going to, we're going to move to the East coast. Sky was like, I'm going to start a fit in a boutique fitness place. And I'm like, we'll do a cafe or something. And uh, that was kind of our mindset. Luckily enough, when we sold our house in Los Angeles, the market was so high that we afforded ourselves to kind of stay home and raise our son, the two of us together for quite a few months. So we were living in this place and I was like, okay, we should probably start to think what the next step is. And I said, I should go up to New York and get an agent because at least I could go out for like a commercial or something here or there. And um, I went up, met with the agent, and they were like, great. And then I said, I, you know, I, I'm also a designer. And they were like, okay, there's not that many design shows, but we'll, we'll send your stuff along to him. And two weeks later, after they were kind of like, yeah, you're great, but there's not a lot, so we don't know what we can do with you. They called me and they said, look, we submitted you for the show Hotel Impossible, and um, they want to do an interview with you. I was breastfeeding. I had all kinds of mm. my mommy weight on me, which I still have again now because of COVID. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but like I was, I was in, I was my, my son, I think was eight months old at the time. So I was really deep into motherhood and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. And 10 days later they were like, okay, you booked it. You leave next week to Florida. Oh. And it was as fast as that. It was, it was one of those moments where it hadn't been on my radar, but yet it was what I was wanting, right? I wanted to be able to mix my design and my organization with my commercial work, my stand-up, and my improv. Like, that's what I really dreamed of doing. That was my big goal all along. Like, I was like, I want to be like Martha Stewart. I want to have my own show. I want to do this. But when I moved to New Jersey, I really put it in my back pocket. And the minute that I put it in my back pocket is when it happened. So, it was, it was, it was very surreal. And I freaked out because I was like, I don't know if I can even do this. And I sucked on the first episode. My design was terrible. I tried to quit. Like it was this huge, huge thing, but I pushed through and, you know, and then the rest is history kind of. So you were, so going to Florida, does this mean you were there for a week? Like, were you taking Augie and Sky with you? Like, how did you manage that as a mommy? Yes. Yeah, that was, that was intense. So you would go down for like two days to scout a location, meet with contractors, go back, you would have about two weeks to prep the design. And then you'd go back down for about five days, um, and do the, the design and the filming of the show itself. And it, Hotel Impossible, there is, you, you don't, it is like, it is like guerrilla style. Like you get in and you work from, from the moment you wake up about 14, 15 hour days. And you're doing your hair and your makeup by yourself in the bathroom of a hotel that has like bed bugs and mold and everything else in between designing a room. So it was, um, it was a very eye-opening experience. And in the middle of it still, obviously, you know, 
breastfeeding. Right. <laughs> Kelly, mm-hmm. are you, Kelly, are you okay over there? Are you like gagging? Taking it all in and I'm just like, I'm writing notes. <laughs> I, I know that sounds, I don't normally do that, but I'm like, um, I'm writing notes and I'm like, okay, like hotel and pop, like I just am floored by the whole, the whole thing. And I think the biggest thing, and I, do you recognize it in yourself, Carrie, that just that the, there are people that can't make a change, just like a small change in their life. And like you constantly, your whole story from the time that we've gotten on is change, change, change. And like, new opportunity, new opportunity, like flying to Florida. Some people wouldn't even jump into flying to Florida, come back, figuring it out. Um, the scenarios you're in are incredible. You, Thank you. And no, maybe I don't, because maybe if I did, I would scare the shit out of myself and I wouldn't do it. Like I, I, um, I don't know, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm pretty hard on myself. Like I'm constantly trying to grow and I'm, I'm constantly trying to find the next opportunity, but yet still enjoying the one that I'm in. I will say when it came to Hotel Impossible, it was really something that I had dreamed about for so long. And no matter what, I was going to try and figure it out. And when I had that moment, I I called my agent and said, I'm quitting the show. I can't do this. And he was like, that's sad because they really love you and they want to book you on the next episode. And I was like, oh, okay, let me let me take a minute and get some sleep and think about this the next day. And it's I guess it's just a lot of of. um, We can really do what it is that we want to do. We just have to have the faith and we have to be willing to suck. You know, you have to be willing to start from the beginning. And I think a lot of times, especially as a dancer, when you've, when you've gone from, you know, the beginning and you've trained and you're an adolescent and then you're a teenager and then you become this professional dancer, you're used to being really good. And that sometimes is the biggest struggle for me, but it's also what pushes me because I'm like, okay, here I am. I'm not very good. This design wasn't very good. I know how to talk on television, sure. But what I'm actually doing, it's not my best work. So I will stay and I will grind until I can make it my best work. So I can walk away from it with my head up. I also want to say um, kudos about your partnership. And I know Carrie knows Sky, but like you are with someone that gives you the freedom to make big pivots. Um, and it And what kind of like in your relationship, like do you feel like you have like huge support from him or do you do you does he help you make those decisions like I feel like I'm in a great relationship I have a great partner but like even on this move he's like well like I want you to do what will make you happy and like you know best you know your job best and and so did he give you like real advice like no like yes you should do this Florida thing or you're so great at stand-up like but I understand you want to pivot like what kind of support and partnership does that how do you guys have obviously but what does it look like yes I mean to be quite honest and I know it's not very like female empowering of me (laughs) to say but um or maybe it is you know maybe I'm going to flip it on its head but uh, there's no way possible that I could achieve and have the um inspiration and kind of the the guts and the confidence to do what it is I do without Sky, because he is the person that I'll turn to 
and good and bad. Like, you know, again, along this way, there's been some good and bad things that happen. You, you think you're moving from a dance industry where there's good and bad and you're moving into this home industry and it's so pretty and it's about home and everybody loves each other. It's just, there's just as much drama in it as well. And he is the person that I go to for everything. And I can remember every conversation before I've done anything huge in my life. He is there, whether he's playing me music to pump me up, whether he's like, come on, let's do this recording me. So we have that moment to look back on, or like we're walking around the block. And I'm literally saying to him, I don't know, I don't even know what I don't know how to do this. And he's like, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. You always do. You'll figure it out. He is like my center, my Zen, my ground. Uh, He's like my everything. And then then a supportive father and, you know, takes care of the house when I'm jetting off and going everywhere. And so, yeah, I mean, having a supportive partner like that, I don't believe that there's any way just to have somebody that listens to you and bounces things off and then really knows your story and knows you as a person and believes in you. So everything. You know, I feel like too, mentioning like, you know, being a strong female, I think that there is... And I'm all in for whatever anyone wants. If they want to be like strong, independent, you know, I'm all in for all things. But I do think that there is also that you can be really strong and independent and also know how to rely on someone. And you know what I mean? I think I was on my own for a few years and I recognize what he brings by being the guy. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. like, I think of myself as very like independent and strong, but I also love that sometimes he can center me from my softness or from my emotion of how I think of things. Like, so I, I love that, that you said that. And I also love that he has been your rock, but also like your biggest fan. Yes, he is. He is. And, and I, him too. Like I constantly will say it. I'm like, he is he is my crush of like all crushes. Like even today we've been together for almost 17 years. And I like just yesterday I looked at him. I was like, you like, I am, I am madly in love with him, but I'm extremely infatuated with him still like hands down. I'll see him out in the yard. I'm just like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) But also, also for the listeners, like sky is like cool. Like he's, he's like, very cool. He's like the epitome of like super cool. So, you know, he I got to give he him has, that. Yeah, he has this like really cool mysterious and then he's just so incredibly intelligent and intellectual. Like he's such an intellect and I say the wrong words at things, so it, we're a really good balance. Like he's kind of a little bit more introverted but extremely deep but silly and then I'm kind of introverted, extroverted, but we're both children when we're together and we want to be, but, um, we talk a lot. Like that's what I think bonds us together is that we can talk for hours and just keep diving deeper into something over and over again. And those talks are really what keep propelling us both. And as a family to continue to grow and challenge ourselves. Oh my God. I love it. Now I want to go catch up with Sky too. <laughs> he said hi. By the way, he's like, "Oh, okay." Oh, oh, I want to catch up with Sky too. So, okay, I did see a couple episodes of um, Extreme Makeover because I saw that you were on it, mm-hmm. and so I watched. And you should have seen me watching this. I was like, <laughs> I was like clapping. I was like, "Go, Carrie!" You know, I was like screaming at the TV, which I like to do. A lot of my friends have now transitioned, and they are on TV, which is awesome. 
Yes. A lot of people are. So Mm -hmm. please tell us, did that come about in the same way? Is it like an agent type of thing? You know, it's funny. It kind of, so after Hotel Impossible went on to a hiatus, they were trying to figure out if they were going to bring it back. So then I kind of went back into like, okay, well, I'm going to do commercials in my design world, but you're constantly being pulled up for these castings. So you're like, oh, they need a designer. They needed this. And everything kept kind of like, I'd get to the end. I didn't get it. I get to the end. I didn't get it. And then, um, but you know, there's so many people that get pushed for those shows. You know, you go through a Zoom and you do like a Zoom casting. And then I didn't hear anything for six months, six months, nothing. And then I got a text late night and it it was from the casting agency. And she was asking me these questions and I had no idea who she really was at the moment. And then I like stopped dead in my tracks and I turned around the sky. I was like, oh my gosh, she's the casting agent for Extreme. And it's six months later and they're asking me questions. So then I was like, oh, okay, I'm on the table. And then I went out for a chem test and came home. And three weeks later, they told us that I was part of the team. So it was mind blowing, to be quite honest. Man, and that is a big show. That is a huge show. And then they came in, they're like, it's going to be on HGTV. Um, It's the reboot. And Jesse Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family is going to be the host. (laughs) And there's only three of you. So it's like Jesse Tyler Ferguson. And then there were two other designers, Darren and Bregan. And that was it. Like, it was just us. And it was, it still is like when I watch, it's it's insane. It's absolutely it's uh, mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, it's a big show when it comes to the production of it. And then it's a big show when it comes to the name recognition. And it's it's just a huge show. I'm just, oh, wow. I'm so proud of you, man. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I, so great. Man, like, I'm going to start trying to watch what you do and copy you. I, I got yeah. it. I'm like, just, but I'm all in. Like, you, I feel like you are. So amazing. And you know what? I think some people talk that like say all these things, like you should pivot, you should take the leap, you should try new things, you should be brave, you should follow what you really want to do. I love the whole get it done, girl. I want I would love to hear about that too. But like you actually do it. You're not just talking about it, like you're doing all of you've done those whole things your whole life. I, you know, I try and I, 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 I try that's, and that's what I do. I try and I'm going to see if it works and I'm going to see if I can get a little bite in, but even with extreme, like after I had booked it and we had filmed the whole episode, we were doing this thing called the TCAs, which was this cool experience where you sit on the stage and all these reporters from all over the country ask you questions and all these, it's, it's like the beginning of the year when all the new shows are coming out and they asked us to go and we had lunch afterwards and the executive producer was sitting next to me. He goes, you know, Carrie, the first time I saw you, I wanted you to be on this show and I fought for you. And do you know how many times you got taken out of the pile? And the other producer's like, don't tell her that. And I was like, no, tell me. Like, I want to know that. And he's like, you were taken out of the pile so many times and you kept finding your way back in the pile. And that's, for me, it's inspiration. Like, I I know I have been taken out of the pile so many times, but I will continue to push myself back in the pile if it's what I feel passionately that I should be doing. If I know I'm going to help people, if I know I'm going to design beautiful spaces, if I know I'm going to be able to provide for my family and enjoy myself, that I'm going to continue to put myself back in the pile. I just got goosebumps and I told you guys I was all doll- dolled up and now I have, I just shaved my legs, Carrie. <laughs> 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 totally pointless. But 
and just it's so true like I think people try to put themselves in the pile and then they get pulled out and then they just like give up and walk away and oh yeah the There's, fight is putting yourself back in over you, ha- you have to look it if I look at myself as like a small child, right, I had my mom would cut my hair off and she would perm it with the skinniest perm rod that there ever was created. And then every time it would start to relax, she would redo it. And I was this skinny little thing and my teeth were too big for my head, but I had all this gusto. And I was like, one day I'm going to do all these things. And I was like, bullied and kind of ridiculed and made fun of. And I was like, you'll see you guys. So I'm sure it comes from that of like, never letting go of your 12 year old self that that taught you things like if you can hold on to that 12 13 15 16 year old mouthy person that had and they were just you were just gonna go do it it's like sometimes we get into our our older years and of course responsibilities come and things like that but I feel like if you can keep that gusto from your childhood that made you even try new things to begin with if you can keep that into your adult years you'll 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 have more fun too, you know? Yeah. Oh, please tell us about get it, get it done. I get it done girl. Right. Yes. Please tell us about all about that. So that's actually Sky because he's he's also he's act, he's also my business partner in everything that we do. So I was like, I need a, a job, a name for my business. And I was like, I was messing around with something because people kept saying, you're the get it done girl. Like whenever we need something done, we just call you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I was saying that to Sky, and I have like a little bit of an infatuation of like the 1950s housewife. Like, I think it's kind of awesome to like bake pies and wear a little apron. And he was saying, oh, it's like Gidget. It's Gidge. It's Get It Done Girl. So Gidge kind of came from that. And then uh, obviously Martha Stewart living. So I, I, I pulled that into my name. But it really just comes from the fact that people were calling me to do projects in their home that they had been sitting on their to do list for months or years. And I would come in and I'd be like, I can get that done. And that's kind of how my business name Gidge Living came about. Oh, I love it. I freaking love it too. I'm I'm obsessed. I think that you <laughs> should write a book. <laughs> I think you should write a book. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And listen, I think that that's kind of been your mantra for your whole life. Get it done, girl. Like you're going to do this and you go, you get it done and move on to the next project. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've gosh, going from the dance world to commercial world to just always in those worlds, you're always being judged. You're always being, there's always a judge on you. You're getting the job. You're not getting the job. You're good enough. You're not good enough. You're, you're the wrong height. You're the wrong face. You're the wrong hair. There's so many things that are such a critique that I feel like it gave me a really strong armor to keep going. Like I have had people be like, yeah, you're just, you're just not it. Like I've had people insult me in ways that like took me down at my kneecaps. And then I'm like, well, do I let them win? Like, do I pick that up and keep going? Or do I just say, we got this, let's go get it done and like move. (laughs) You know what is good too, that you can mention, because when you hear someone that has had so much success and is winning. I feel like sometimes you can focus on just that. And I think it's important to remind everyone, like there's moments that I wasn't winning, but the whole thing was I wanted to win. I mean, there are, there are moments, not only where you're not winning, but you're drowning. Like you're trying to figure out how to come up for air and figure out what the next step is. You know, you, you start out on it. And 
somebody, you know, takes you down or you don't get this job or you're passed on this or you don't do well, like you fail or you don't do the best that you know that you can do and you ruminate. And I mean, it, it happens all the time. It's, it's not like you get to this pinnacle of success, whatever anybody is even going to consider success and you've made it like you're constantly, constantly trying to improve yourself and grow and climb and just be a better version of yourself. And there's always somebody out there that's going to knock you down or a situation, you know, there's situations that I have just been like, it's not fair, like this, it's just not fair. And you know what, it's not fair, but that's, that's all. What can you do except for put your hands up in there and go, it's not fair, moving on. And I want you to know, I have gotten so much from today. And I am so excited for the green, greener grass listeners to hear from you because you are just I mean, you are, I'm not just saying this because it's my job to say this on this podcast. Like you are totally kicking ass in life. And I feel like there's definitely days, like, I think I kick ass in life too, right, Carrie? But I, some days you just need to hear from someone like that. And before I jump off, I wanted to just say, because I think it's such um, a true statement of right now. And so I think it's like you, you touched on it is I think there are so many women out there right now and in coming out of it for sure. But I think in the pandemic that we're drowning, and I, I believe probably more women than men, because I think sometimes certain tasks fall on women more, but I think mm-hmm. women were homeschooling their kids and trying to keep their corporate job afloat or trying to do all the things. And maybe now they're home doing their corporate job, but because they're home, like they're doing dinner and laundry and homeschooling. And I think that we, like I work with women a lot every day and I've seen in the last, you know, six months, women feeling like they just need to come up for air. Yes. I think we're getting there, but I think it's just such a true statement in general that there are times that people are drowning. And I think the last year is really one of those times that women were like trying to figure Mm -hmm. out life or drowning. Oh yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Okay. If you were to compare the dance industry and the industry you're in now Mm -hmm. and the, the difficulty, like the drama, like, you know, the hard part, Mm -hmm. how would you, how would you stack them up? It's all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. The 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 what we would say in the dance world of of our our image, our talent, and sometimes that matters, sometimes that doesn't matter. Um, even the clickiness, the the um, the powers that be, it it is all extremely similar. Mm. It is, and it's in a different way, of course, but it's all the same elements. I will say the difference. Maybe the biggest difference is that I am myself. In this new industry, I am Carrie Lachlan. This is my voice. This is my product. Versus when I was a dancer, I was whatever it is that I needed to be molded into in that moment. Mm -hmm. So at times it hurts a little bit more in my industry when things don't completely go the way I envisioned them because it is me and I'm so much more vulnerable. But um, the hard work, the dedication, the the perseverance, the just keep going and get up and just if you want it, keep going, keep going, keep going. It's the same. That's so interesting to me. That's so interesting. I was in, I was in DC trying to um, go into politics before I came to LA to be a dancer. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. I, was, I was a poli sci major in college and I thought I was going to go in that direction. I started working for a political consultant and 
I have the same exact thoughts on the dance industry and Washington. Yes. It feels the same. It feels the same. And, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe it feels the same in, across every industry that there is. But when you're so deep into the dance industry and you see so many of the ins and the outs and the politics and the, and the, the clickiness and, the again, the powers that be and the struggles and the, the lows and the highs, they're all, they're all, they match up pretty well. Yeah. And then when it comes to, you know, what you're looking forward to right now, what is that? And then how does the, um, what I see every day on your social media, how does it all come together? Like, what's your, what's your short-term goals, long-term goals, you know? Yeah. I mean, my, my long-term goal would be to continue to help people through design and, and, and to do it on television because I like it. Like I, I, I like being I like being on camera and I like being able to connect to people across the country and across the world. I have so many people that will send me videos from, you know, Brazil and Greece and Colombia and they'll be like, look, you're on my TV. And then I start chatting with them or I'm, I'm helping people. I have a guy right now who has a restaurant in, uh, in Thailand and he's like, how do I design this room? So I'm constantly helping people through Instagram and, and that's what I want to continue to do is to help people big and small. And I think like everyday moms and dads and, and people is what I love to do. Like, I don't know that I'll ever get to a place where I'm, you know, doing a, a $50 million design because it's just not what I want to do. I'd much rather uh, figure out how we can take that $5,000 and give you the, the best room ever. Like to me, that jazzes me up a lot more to work with people that would never work with a designer. But so much could come out of it. So I just want to keep doing that, keeping, you know, mommy, keep crushing life with mommy and wifing. And, uh, you know, eventually I would like to write a book and have my own show. That would be, I think, the end game. Thank you so much to Carrie. You can find her at carrielachlan.com. And thanks to Asa Watkins for post-production. Please honor us with a five-star rating and a review on Apple or wherever you find your podcasts. And thanks for listening to Greener Grass.